Hey, fiends of the pod, Nate Wyckoff, your host here again, reminding you like, subscribe, and yes, it is hard to come up with these extra little special things for every episode, but like my good friend behind me, Godzilla, I will not stop until every single building in a metropolitan area is destroyed, if you don't like and subscribe. Enjoy, and please go to cultandclassicfilms.com to pick up exclusive cult movies, and also you can subscribe and have them delivered at a discount to your door every single month. Enjoy the show. Welcome, friends and fiends, to another episode of Cult and Classic Podcast, the podcast where we talk about two thematically linked films, one mainstream and one cult, and discuss them both. This is part two of our after-school special special, uh, where we discuss, you guessed it, after-school specials. Last week was part one, where we talked about the uh, famous or infamous 1990 special cartoon All-Stars to the Rescue, where... uh, cartoon characters from across many different properties uh, and and even mediums really sort of coalesced to help uh, Michael get off drugs uh, because his little sister uh, wanted him to get off drugs, I guess. Uh, yeah, that was a fun one. It was interesting, uh, but now we're going in a live action route with 1987's The Day My Kid Went Punk. This is an interesting one, it, to be honest, I hadn't seen it before this uh, viewing and it completely defied my expectations and I'm very excited to talk about it. Um, this is part of the ABC after school special series which ran for I want to say like 70 episodes um, you know is, is sort of sporadic multiple uh, you know yearly episodes that dealt with various things like drugs or peer pressure um, all sorts yeah. of stuff. I'm seeing it ran, let's see, 72 to 97 and 154 episodes Ooh, across 25 seasons. There you go. Many, many. And, you know, we hear things like after school special. We don't really have them very often anymore. Um, And it used to be in this, the 70s through the, you know, even the the early mid 90s, um, we'd have these after school specials and they sort of transitioned into the 90s. They transitioned into more one special episode of a TV show, like on a very special episode of Blossom or a very special episode of Family Matters or Tiny, you know, Tiny Toons. Um, they, they would have these one-off specials that were often real big downers and they were really bent on either scaring kids into following the rules or um, depressing kids, so making them a scared of something. Uh, or every episode of Boy Meets World, really. <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally right. Um, they never said like, <laughs> you might do porn in your future. Um, yeah, so interesting enough. And of course, I'm Nate Wyckoff, your host, film critic and comedian. And we have here as well, Greg Johnson. How are you doing today, Greg? I'm doing great, Nate. I, I don't have any kids. So life is treating me well. <laughs> yeah, this, this is fascinating. Because the thing about these after school specials is they often had well recognized cast members um we don't have anyone that i think millennials up would immediately recognize unless you're into classic tv um but bernie Koppel's probably the the one that i recognize most readily he plays the dad of the family whose kid goes punk um he was a, a regular on get smart he played uh conrad siegfried uh he also those of you who've only seen the get smart remake uh, with Steve Carell and Anne Hathaway. He was in there in a cameo, uh, but he was kind of a staple uh, on 70s uh, and 60s TV shows and is just a big character actor and a lot of stuff. And there's a lot of other people in this. Everyone is pretty much a character actor uh, from, from somewhere. Jay Underwood plays the lead, Terry, who is the one that goes punk. Uh, he has been in a gajillion things in the 80s as he got older. Uh, he was Bug and Uncle Buck, not quite human. He played Chip, uh, just, you know, the lead. Uh, he, a lot of, lot of stuff. So interesting cast, especially if you're maybe in your 40s, uh, late 30s to 50s, I guess I would say. Then you're going to recognize a lot of these cast members. But if you've never seen, if you're a millennial or something, you've never seen an after-school special, they often have this sort of holier-than-thou message. It's sort of like when you accidentally watch a Hallmark movie for Christmas and you realize that it's one of those super religious ones that ends with like, you know, praise his lie, you know, God will save you all, like that sort of thing. Like, you know, it doesn't have Dolly Parton in it, but you could tell that they really wanted Dolly Parton in it. 
Um, and we love Dolly here. The Day My Kid Went Punk is shockingly progressive. And I was surprised, before I even get into the actual plot, I mean, we know that a kid goes punk and his parents are upset. Uh, five years earlier, this is often when it's talked about at all, it's usually talked about in relation to an episode of the crime show Quincy, uh, which followed Quincy the coroner as he assisted people in solving these crimes. Uh, it's, there was an episode about uh, the dangers of punks and punk music and punk uh, culture. Uh, and I believe it was 82, I think it was. And it was five years earlier, but it had like this lasting impact. It's one of the more memorable, recognized episodes of the Quincy show. And in it, the, the punk scene is like this violent, divey, drug-filled, sex-haze, monstrous thing. And it's so heavy-handed that punk is essentially, you know, uh, devil music where Satan will possess you and you'll kill your parents and then eat your dog uh, and then do a line of blow off a series of prostitutes, catch the disease and die. Like, I'm not kidding. It's really heavy-handed. Uh, in fact, at the end, I think... Quincy, if I remember correctly, because I, I tried to rewatch it in, prep, in, in preparation for this, and it was several weeks ago, and I still don't remember all the details because it's hard to watch uh, because of how ridiculous it is. But he's like listening to class, not classic, but like I think big band music, kind of swingy jazz music. And he's like, why would anybody listen to music like that anyway? Like it's garbage, it perpetuates violence. When music like this, this is love. And you're just like, okay, all right, we're going to glaze right over all of the insane racism issues involved with uh, the white co-opting of jazz music and everything that goes along with that. And we're just going to focus on the fact that a coroner solves crimes. This is a totally different deal. I thought it wouldn't be, I thought it would be closer, but it's not. Um, we have two parents who are distant. They have three kids. One of them is old enough to, he's like 35. And he's still home and he's like head of the young Republicans club or whatever. Um, I don't even remember his name. I think it's Chip or something. And then we have a young daughter uh, who's like the baby of the family, the blonde, you know, blue eyed young daughter. And then we have a mom who is like a, a, a professor at this university and she's giving this big speech coming up that could make or break her career. And then we have the dad who's an author who writes about uh, crisis management among families and things like that. And then in the middle, we have middle child Terry, who is a really skilled uh, uh, violinist uh, of classical music. And um, he's going to have a summer away working at the kids' corral right the the nursery essentially that the uh what would you call it the babysitting wing of this fancy hotel that's going to be hosting his mom's college's big conference so she gets him a job there uh, on paper he sounds great he's classically trained violinist he's uh straight laced all this stuff and he keeps telling his parents like i'm gonna really like find myself this summer, I think I'm going to change my hair. And they're like, uh-huh, great. Yeah, whatever. Uh, he's like, yeah, I'm thinking I might, you know, try out some rock music, something different. And like, uh-huh, whatever. And so he goes and literally he goes to like, is it the bus or the plane station? I don't know where to go, but he goes there and he literally goes into the bathroom, opens up his suitcase and pulls out like this tattered black shirt, leather jacket with chains and grommets and uh, shaves part of his hair and does it up into this crazy like sort of new wave flock of seagulls deal and paint, you know, spray paints um, the front of it red and wears eyeliner and then he goes out and he's like this new person and he's super happy about it. He goes to the hotel and they're like uh, the the woman who is the manager uh, says doesn't believe that he's going to get hired. Um, she's played by Roxy Roker, another well-known character actor. And she goes to the head of the, the owner and says like, this guy says he's here for the job. And the owner's like, wow, he looks crazy, but yeah, he's got good references and we need this conference. He's the daughter of the person that we're dealing with for the conference. So we're hiring no matter what. Turns out he's great with kids. He starts to go more bonkers and wears some new wave makeup, the whole like hardcore um, contouring under the cheekbones and sort of wins everyone over uh, by being great with kids. He gets a gig playing every Friday and Saturday night at a local bar with this punk band. And by the way, that's for someone who sang for a punk band for 10 years, he's the regular band for Friday and Saturday night. I don't care if that's the dinkiest bar, which it's not, that's a big deal. Like that's 
he's actually probably making at least a little bit of money off that. Like most people don't get that far. Normally you get like the opening slot for the late shift on like Friday or Saturday night, if you're lucky and probably Thursday or Sunday or some garbage like that. So anyway, he's having a great life at which point his parents come to check on the hotel for the conference and are horrified. He's wearing earrings. He looks like a clown, blah, blah, blah. Basically they go back and forth until he sort of, he just stays steadfast. And it blew my mind that this character is like, this is me. Like I'm getting the things that I wanted and I'm getting the attention that you didn't give me by changing my appearance. And I don't think I'm gonna change it. And in the end of the, I'm gonna spoil this, but at the end of this film, which is about, it's short, it's about 42 minutes. So it was an hour runtime on TV, says like, I think I'm gonna stick with rock music, but I'll stop wearing makeup because I don't have to. And I know it bothers you basically. And I was just blown away by the fact that this very, I think what a lot of people like myself went into this watching, whoever saw the ads, right, which have like straight lace Terry on one side and like a sweater vest um, with like new wave goth punk Terry on the other side, like, you know, glaring at the camera, like, you know, uh, Susie and the Banshees kind of deal. <laughs> I think they thought that it was going to be a very different like cautionary tale and instead it was basically like accept your kids for who they are you idiots and uh and i loved it i totally loved it uh i've just babbled on about this whole thing greg what was your expectation going in and what is your feeling now that you've seen this um well i thought it was going to be a lot wilder and i feel like that's mm. what i'm hearing from you as well um yeah. I, I yeah I thought this was going to be batshit insane and it was it was fairly tempered it had it had some moments here or there that you know I was like oh that's that's kind of an interesting take and moments that I'm like oh that's really backwards um <laughs> you know I'm I'm thinking about there's a kind of a good bit near the beginning when he when he still hasn't gone punk yet where he asks um a fellow band member at, or orchestra member at his high school like clearly out on a date or to coffee or something of that nature and she's like oh no thanks and walks mm -hmm. off and he sees her walk out and meet up with this punk like total punk looking dude mm -hmm. and they walk off together and his parents say something to the effect of oh i don't know why she's going off with him like he looks like a bad kid blah 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 and the guy you know the main our main character terry is like oh i think he looks really cool um and it was just it's it's fun to see a different take versus mm -hmm. you know what could have easily been a moment where he's like oh women don't like nice guys and like just yeah. becomes just becomes this piece of shit but instead he's like no like i want to like man that guy's cool as hell like of course of course she's going out with him like like i should i should think about my image and i should i should yeah, improve right? myself in some way or change things um and uh you know like that's a really good moment versus um you know later on there's a bit where you know he's terry's gone punk and the hotel owner is talking to him by the pool and he's kind of saying something to the effect of you know why do you why do you put the makeup on your face and why do you make i think verbatim like why you're, you're a good kid why do you make it so hard for people to see that yeah and Terry comes back with something about like, you know, I was never noticed before and now I am and I like how I look and, you know, like I love the attention I get and right on cue two like good looking teen girls come mm -hmm. up and are asking him about getting them into the, uh, the club. into the club for the night <laughs> and he's like yeah like ask for my name at the front door and they walk off giggling and the hotel owner kind of like sees this and turns he actually, to he actually and like, he's, he's like, like oh. why do you do this and then he comes and then that happens and he's like okay but still <laughs> yeah which which you know it, it's, it's a very funny moment but yeah. it's it's kind of a backwards moment of there's two men having a disagreement and it's settled when one of the men his side of the argument lets him get girls. And so the right. other one is like, oh, okay, I guess you have some merit. Like, <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting because Corinne, my wife and I were watching this and we both were kind of just agog at the fact that I was, my expectations were constantly um, subverted every at every corner in this. And that was one of those moments where he's giving him this thing and, and Corinne's like, like no way that like a, a man essentially wouldn't be like uh you know like oh you get girls with this so so that's okay and i mean it's a huge stereotype and they play it that way and the reality is is 
very well could a very well conversation especially in 1987 would have gone that way yeah um and i like i mean i just i was just blown away at how the character of terry is such a hero because really he's constantly affronted by people being like like why are you such a freak basically and he his he stays steady in his resolve to not attack them and just be like well you know what i i like the way i look and it makes me feel like me and it was weird because it was the same arguments and language that i see a lot of people who are trans now talking about it with with people who are sort of essentially attacking you know their decisions to transition and things like that they're like look this is me like what i look like is sort of secondary to who i am and this is the image that i like to present so you can accept it and be a part of my world or you cannot like it and not be a part of my world and that's fine that's your decision and the fact that he's so sure of himself in this all the way through and the fact that they allowed him to maintain his image until the end and that that's his choice and that his family you know not totally like you know you're you taught us a lesson son you're so great they're still not 100 percent thrilled with all of his decisions yeah the dad at the end says like something like oh and like you you know you're you're a haircut away from whatever he says something yeah. like that he stops and, makeup yeah and he's like yeah and he's like oh like hey don't push it dad and then yeah. they all laugh and that's yeah. the end of it um, and and it's it's like really it, i thought it was a very healthy realistic way because you have this we have this idea like I always do where it's like, it's all or nothing. But the reality is, is it's not like this is was my argument being from the East Coast and having seen, uh, say, and I'm going to get flack for this. And that's okay. And we can talk about it. Feel free to send us messages on Colton Classic Podcast at gmail.com. But, um, you know, Bernie Sanders is very popular with our age group and younger. And the things he says would be great if we had them. But I know for a fact that as he's been uh, in politics in Vermont for many, many, many years, the things he's pushed for tend to be sort of essentially protest votes. And the problem is, is that those do not get change. So while he's pushed for a lot of great things, he's attained very few of them, if any. I really don't think he's attained any. The, the, things, the things that have come, have come beside him because there's much more support that's needed than just his vote and he's voted against some things because there's language or aspects of it that aren't what he wants which someone like me a moderate who really wants desperately to see positive change um feels hurt by because we're not getting the little bit that we can get now we're getting nothing because it's all or nothing and that is a mindset that so many of us have that as we get older we tend to sort of push to the side or we modify it to be like okay what's the best option here to get closest to what i want or what's best for me and the people i care about and that's where this one went right it doesn't go all in or all not it's there's no moment where he's like you accept me for who i am or you're you know i'm out of it i'm out of here there's never that moment like even when he gets upset with his parents which is several times and reasonably so because they're kind of assholes like at the beginning especially i'm like we all know people like this. Some of us, these might be our parents or we might be that person at first where it's like, you know, like at the beginning, he's like, I'm thinking of getting my ear pierced. And his dad's like uh, over my dead body. And his mom said, just make sure they use a, san uh, you know, a sanitized needle, which is sort of a great dichotomy, right? And the reality is, is that when he actually does these things, his dad is the one that's like, look, we need to understand this, why he's doing this rather than just be upset. Whereas the mother's upset. And she's upset, of course, for her own reasons. She's concerned about the image that she, he'll present for her. And we've seen that in lives, all of our lives too, right? And it's just, it was nice to see that we don't, it, there isn't an all or nothing. And there's this great scene that it upset me at first, but it was very realistic and not wrong, where the older, I think he's supposed to be German, but the older, the, the professor who leads the, the band, right? Right, right, yeah. band, um, He goes to, after he has this new image, right? And he comes in and everybody's getting assigned first chair, first chair with this, whatever. And at the end, he's like, you didn't give me any assignment. And he's like, that's right. And he said, like, you told me last year that I would be first violin. And he's like, well, that's right. But look at you, and and you know, I was, I was, and that gets the dander up, right? It gets my hackles up. I'm like, oh, this is this old man, like, is so wrong. And then he's like, listen, the important thing in the band is that the audience hears, 
you know, whatever, Mozart or, uh, or, or, or whatever piece we're playing. And when one person is detracting from it, it's not going to work because they're not going to be listening to the music. He's like, however, and I, I look forward to seeing if you don't, if you don't want to change how you look, I look forward to seeing what you do with your rock and roll music. And I'd like to go see you. And he turns around, he's like, well, that form of music is, there's a lot more accepting. You could come in looking like you are now. And he's like, right. And that's a decision that you need to make. And it's your decision. And I respect it no matter what you choose. And it totally like, again, subverted my expectation because he's saying, and then the, the kid walks out and the girl that he asked out in the beginning when he was a dorky looking guy is waiting for him. And she says, he's not going to give you a position, is he? And he goes, no. And she goes, um, that's not fair or something. And he says, actually, it's my choice. And I think he's the first person that ever told me that. And like, it yeah. was a really defining moment because he even says at one point, like, I can't have it all. And it is true, right? Like we make decisions based on what is what we want and what's best for us. And we can't always have the both sides of everything. And that, that doesn't mean that we should suffer under the heel of an oppressive regime or whatever that we don't like. And it doesn't mean that we should expect everyone to accept us 100% of the way all the time just because we say so. It's not well, going to happen. I mean, I think it's so it's so great that the the orchestra leader at the school, it's he's not he doesn't make any assumptions about Terry because of how he dresses. The argument mm -hmm. isn't you dress like this, therefore you're a drug addict. Therefore, right. it's 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 I have this, you know, well, one, this is my orchestra. And two, I want it to look a certain way. And I think that that I think that the orchestra has a certain like there's a music theory behind it. There's a presentation behind like there's all these things that are playing into it. And I'm going to go a different direction than your style. Mm -hmm. And like it's not. Yeah, there's there's no ill will. There's no like like you you're you're upending my Christian values. And so this is how <laughs> right. I'm going to get back at you. It's just it's it's business. It's, 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 it's art. It's, you know, um, you know, you say that you're gonna, you're gonna do a, you know, a classic, uh, performance of Hamlet and your Hamlet comes in with, you know, like long Fabio hair and you go, well, we're going to cut it because that's in, that's in with the style I'm doing. It's, it's, it's much mm -hmm. more of an artistic discussion mm -hmm. than it is some arbitrary, you know, admonishing. Yeah. Um, I think that you, you, you talked about, um, and I, I mean, it's, it's really clear there, you know, if you, if you compare what this is, which it's about a kid putting on punk clothing and dressing a different way. And that's all it's about. Yeah. But if you, you know, there's clearly a parallel between, you know, trans identity stories mm -hmm. and different, like, I mean, different gender identity stories, period, different sexuality, identity stories, so on and so forth. But I think that this, short works because at the end of the day it's dealing with small potatoes it's not about trans or sexual identity issues it's about dressing up and it's about style it's about style and that's mm -hmm. it um and so you know we can have an ending that's very moderate because that's fine that's fine at the end of the day for you know the the kid to kind of say oh yeah i'm I'm going to, I'm going to meet you halfway parents versus if this were a story about sexual identity, there is no halfway. Right. So, but, you know, I think a lot of people dealing with that sort of have had to deal that halfway, right? Like, especially yeah. here in the LGBTQIA plus community, it's like, look, my parents love me and they say they love me, but they don't want to hear about my lifestyle. And it doesn't feel good. I'm sure. Cause everyone no. wants to be their full self to them. But I know that a lot of people deal with that because they want to maintain that relationship with their loved ones. And that's sort of their cross they choose to bear. And that's what I liked about this, right? Like he's choosing his path and he finally has a choice. And I love, there are moments where I'm sure that the, the writer here is Fern Field and he produced a lot of the specials as well as many other TV things. Um, and he wrote a few of them. Um, and he also wrote for Mr. Wizard's World a little bit, but he clearly sort of understood this is for America at large, right? This is for, mom, you know, the terrible term, you know, um, Mon Pa Six Pack or whatever, Joe Beer Can, whatever horrible <laughs> term, you know. Um, it had to be where the kid in the room 
and the adults in the room both could look at it and whatever they're feeling, they under, they get a little bit closer to understanding and compromise. And he, it's these things like this one clearly knew we're not going to get all the way there. We can't have, you know, um, uh, we, we can't really have some of the music that, you know, uh, punk music lyrics here that we that it really exist. We can't do that because it's going to incite conflict in the people watching. And that's not the point. The point is to see that both these people, all these people love each other, or this one person is being misjudged because of how he looks and everyone is taking the time to get there. And ultimately they can somewhere in the back of the head realize that, oh, I was wrong about this person. Hopefully the next time they see someone that's different, they're gonna be a little less snap judgmenty. And there's this really cool scene where uh, there's, he's, Terry is taking care in the um, kids room, right? Where a lot of the parents at the beginning, uh, just like the manager, were really upset because they're like, look at him, he's, he's terrifying looking. Um, like we're scared of him. And he starts just playing a nice song on guitar and all the kids just quiet down and go right over and they love him and the kids absolutely adore him. And then we get this sort of uppity, very wealthy, prissy woman who is uh, affiliated high up with the company, just like the wife, I think, of one of the leaders of the college, so the yeah. important of the conference, she has a daughter who has MS or, or something. She has braces on her legs. And she comes in, she's like, I thought this was a nice establishment. There's no way I'm letting her in here. And they leave. And nicely, the owner defends him. But then the owner gets mad because the manager tells him who she was. And then he's like, why can't you be normal, essentially? Like, I need you to look like a human when you're here. And he walks away. And we get this scene where Terry, like, looks at himself, and he's got makeup on. He's like, I think I do look human. And then he's like, I'm just gonna keep doing my thing. And we get this great scene later where uh, the guy at the corral where they have horses, um, the kids are riding and he's telling this woman with her daughter with braces, like, I can't put her on a horse. Like, it's dangerous. They won't let us, it's liability. You just can't do it. And the girl's sobbing. And we get this awesome scene where Terry comes up and he doesn't address the mom. He doesn't. He addresses the little girl and he does, these are like all the things that they teach you to deal with children. Like he does all of them right. He gets down on her level, he knows down and he starts talking to her like she's a person. He doesn't dumb anything down. He doesn't use any strange, like uh, any sort of like, um, I'm like you, you know, <laughs> he just is like, you know, you, you want to be normal like other kids. Cause first he's like, Hey, there's a place in the city that I'm sure your mom can check out where they can get you on a horse. And lots of people, you know, uh, who are different like you can get on horses. And she's like, I, it's kind of heartbreaking. She's like, I don't want to be different. I want to play with the other kids. I want to go. And he's like, you know what? You say you don't want to be different. And I'm always the opposite way. Like, look at me, I'm silly looking, right? Like, and she's like, and she's this great scene. She's like, I think you're beautiful. And it's just this adorable scene where essentially he's telling her like, difference is okay and everyone's different and it's totally great and he gives her a doll with braces on it and like the mother totally has this turnaround because and that's kind of realistic as sugary as it is like not many parents when someone loves your child can can dislike them right like people can forgive some a really bad monster if they're kind to your child i think well and, i think i think someone healing your child when they're clearly yeah. hurting yeah that's and yeah i i agree i thought that I thought that scene and then you know I'm sure you're about to get into it but you know later she stands up for Terry mm -hmm. when you know during at the conference um, at the conference um you know like I think I think Terry's a pretty swell kid or whatever she says yeah. um yeah I it, it it all felt very believable I mean the whole thing felt it, it felt believable you know mm -hmm. yeah and it was one of those things where it works because the character of Terry feels genuine and honest like if it was like if the whole setup as you sort of got to if the whole setup was he wanted to be like cool looking so he'd get the girl and all this stuff that would be different but really it comes out that oh because his parents kind of talk about that right They're like it's just a phase or he's doing it to get our attention and then when he finally has their attention he's happy about it but he doesn't change and they're like mystified yeah and he's like but i'm not this isn't why i'm doing this like that's a I'm great byproduct of it. Exactly. But. <laughs> right. Like, I'm, I'm glad that you guys are actually being parents now, but you know, um, and I like too that, as I said, Terry is sort of this hero character because he, 
it, it, like when he's talking to the girl in the braces, he even kind of gets a dig at the mom while she's there and not a mean spirited one, but he's like, he's like, lots of people think I'm scary. I know your mom thought I was scary. You know what I mean? Like it just, but, and, and it's sort of, it's like this gentle chastising. You know what it reminded me of? He's really a Jesus figure in many ways. And it sounds crazy, but he is because he is presenting this image and lots of people are upset and don't like it, but he remains a constant. He's chosen his path. And despite internal concerns and, and outside pressures, he maintains what he believes is right. And what's right for him is what feels honest and genuine to him. And so it's really nice. Um, even like we get, we get like little bits with like his older brother, who's a total jackass and essentially every eighties villain ever, um, who, who's like, like, I'm a young Republican and I'm like all good looking. And I always tuck in my shirt and I'm like, well, you don't like tweeze your unibrow and you're talking about your brother looking weird. Like, come on, bro. Like just deal with that. Um, but that was me being hateful. And, uh, it's like, I, I believed Every step of the way, I found this movie more tense than any thriller I've seen in the past God knows when, because I was waiting for something awful to happen, because every single thing that this kid did was out of kindness or just desire, like um, uh, victimless desire. And oftentimes we see those people get chastised in movies. And I loved that this one didn't do that ultimately. You know, we get this compromise. The parents are still bickering about what he should do. Um, and yet he makes his decision and they don't shy away from the decision. I thought they were gonna end this when Terry was walks in um, to the music hall by himself with his jacket and looks and sort of hears back all like, relive seeing his parents stand up and collapse after his recital and all these things. I thought it was going to end there and we were going to be left to know what did he decide? Did he decide to give up his punk image and go back to classical or what? And they didn't do that. They essentially said, you know, he does this little joke. He's like, look, I'm glad you guys are paying attention to me now, but uh, it was kind of easier before, you know, just kidding, but I'm going to make my own decisions. Thanks for the input. And, um, and he makes his own decision. And it, it, it really, it was fascinating. It was fascinating. And of course, we're talking about very new wave punk, you know, like, uh, you know, a lots of lots of makeup, um, streets of fire, not so much um, sex pistols. And, uh, and it was nice to see all of that, especially when his mom is trying to figure out how she can change because we didn't mention the big sort of mini climax leading up to the big climax is when his mom's big presentation is punk syndrome how to prevent your kids from falling victim to it and of course then you know she's being interviewed by a tv crew beforehand and and he's like hey mom and they're like <gasps> and you know they're gonna do like slam piece on her and it's just like she's like oh she's still i still find the mom problematic and because she really is self-centered and she really does care more about her own deal than her son's needs or, or struggles or whatever. Um, I don't think she learns anything. I mean, I, she I don't, kind because of because she comes gets, out ahead anyway. Yeah, know? she she turns it around and does this panel where she's like, oh, like, OK, like my original talk at this psychologist seminar was going to be how to prevent your kids from going punk my son has outed me as clearly I failed in that. So instead <laughs> it's going to be a round table kind of inter open interview, whatever you want to call it, where she brings her son, some of his bandmates up on stage. And it's kind of a, a, a very cordial free for all where they can panel people, discussion, yeah. Yeah, panel discussion. People are asking questions, yelling things out They're You know, the kids up on stage are, you know, giving their side of things and it, you know, it ends on a nice note, but like everyone's like to his mom, like, wow, like that was, that was the best. That was great. Mm -hmm. That was even better than what you had planned. And she's like, oh, I guess like my kid being punk, like works out well for me financially. Right. Like, right. And, and it's sort of, it's, it's a catch 22, right? Because you, you don't like that she doesn't get some sort of comeuppance from a narrative structure, but from a reality structure. Yeah like th this is real like it, that it, it rings true parents who have problems with how their kids live their life are unlikely to change dramatically 
for anything. If you can't change for your kid, who else are you going to change for? It's not going to happen, right? So the best you can hope for is that they learn to take some sort of personal pride in it. And that's sort of what happens with her. And I liked, I just, I liked that there was a happy ending for Terry and so rarely is there. And I liked the panel discussion too, because they gave moments where like the, the band members are like, I got my ear pierced and my dad said, get out. That was it. And again, we get close to that. There's a couple of bits of language where we get close to essentially you're being too feminine to be a man, right? With your earrings or your makeup, why, you know, makeups for women, like all the, there's a couple of those instances, which have always, you know, the gen, I mean, I think it was RuPaul who actually coined the term gender fuck, right? In the eighties, we're like you, or maybe it was even the early nineties, but I think it was, I think that was the late eighties phase. I uh, could be wrong, but anyway, where it's like, you know, um, but Bowie did it like lots of, of, of big celebrities have done this idea that we can cross the gender line and uh, as we know it, and that's okay. And you can still identify as whatever or whoever uh, and, and not be ostracized for that. And we get little tidbits of that. Um, and I can say too, like, I liked that. I liked it. They have the panel acknowledge like, yeah, like, there are some violent people who identify themselves as punks, but they're also violent bankers and truck drivers. You know, it's that whole thing where when 9-11 happened, the attack of the Twin Towers in the United States, um, you know, Muhammad Ali was still alive. I believe Muhammad Ali has passed, right? Who knows my brain? I live in old movies, so sometimes I forget. Um, but, uh, you know, he uh, had diverted to, to Islam and an interviewer said, Reverend 11, how does it feel to know that people who follow your faith have done such a terrible thing? And he looked at them and he said something direct to the effect of how does it feel to know that Hitler was a Christian? Like, how dare you ask that of someone? You know what I mean? Because you can't like that's that's so putting one person or any group of people on the spot for the actions of separate people is uh, a, a, a missed activity. Now, on that note, I am not saying that people who are Caucasian should not uh, have some sort of reparations or understanding of the social and economic effect of something as widespread and historically damning as slavery. That is not the same thing. We do owe, for the betterment of our whole society, some sort of fixes, reparations, and understanding so we can move forward. So I'm just going to throw that out there because uh, I don't need any crazy right-wing trolls uh, on this podcast saying, you go. Um, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that, you know, judge people how you would like to be judged, and things will probably be a lot better. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to move on to the recommendations here. I'll start. Uh, the Day My Kid Went Punk, ABC After School Special, 1987. I wholeheartedly recommend this. I actually looked in the mirror and I'm like, wow, I want to get some tattoos and shave the sides of my head right now because that, Terry is my new, my, my new idol. Like it was just so fantastic. And the idea that um, it sort of was the, the same feeling, but an opposite vibe of um, uh, when I saw the queers play a couple, like a decade or two ago in New Hampshire. And I was like, these guys are, are punk as fuck. And I don't see a single tattoo. They're wearing like a trucker cap and a t-shirt. Uh, and I know they do have tattoos somewhere, but like, you know, it was just like really like you can be whoever you are and how you look does not have to reflect that in a stereotyped way to those around you. It can, but it's really up to your own personal decision. And at the same time, you have to understand that how you present yourself is a, a first impression to people. So, you know, the fact that Terry went to work for a new job dressed in the way that he did is shocking because we most of us know that that's not something you would expect a certain image when you're going to a job interview essentially um and it's because of outside circumstance namely the hotel wanting his mom's business that they hired him anyway and it turns out that that was just the lucky chance he needed for them to sort of fall in love with him but we understand as adults that that's just you can't always count on that. So you hedge your bets and you do what you think is best at the time. And I just really liked that all of these things are played out sort of realistically in this, um, in this after school special. And compared to like cartoon all-stars to the rescue, which is sort of camp fun and value, the message is muddled. And, you know, we know that the people who made that smoked marijuana at some point, the vast majority of them. So to make a product like that, that says that it's going to lead to people doing, you know, uh, crystal methamphetamines or something like is, is ingenuine. 
whereas this one, The Day My Kid Went Punk, is sort of the complete opposite. It's someone doing a very genuine, kind message with realistic, honest portrayals of, of sort of uh, stand-in people from all of our own lives that we can see uh, ourselves in. Greg, would you recommend The Day My Kid Went Punk 1987? And if so, why and to who? Um uh i'm gonna say no again um you know it uh we we talked about a lot of the good points but i i think it's felt too long i didn't really mention that um these these great moments that we talked about are kind of in between a lot of a lot of dry a lot of boring a lot of just kind of you're 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 living moment to moment you're waiting for the next crazy thing out of someone's mouth um you know i i teased you a couple episodes ago about oh you know this uh this move is pretty good nate uh what you know what what's wrong with you why would you pick this um and you know i i i don't want to talk for all of our listeners but i would like to make an assumption that most of them they're here for some crazy stuff they're here to you know hear us talk about some wild shit and the day my kid went the day my kid went punk it's not wild it's it's I, I'm not going to say interesting because that's a worthless word, but it's it's worthy of discussion. It's and that makes it, I think, good, in my opinion. Um, but, you know, we talked about this. Um, this series had 154 episodes. Um, this is part of season 16. I'm seeing when we have such tales as just a regular kid colon an AIDS story in which a teenager discovers they've been infected with AIDS by a blood transfusion. Um, I was looking up uh, what are some of the best astrological specials of all time before. And there's one called Daddy Can't Read also from this series yes. and this season. Very famous, yes. Yeah, um, where a teenager does not understand why her father doesn't want a literacy campaign at his job and then realizes he, in fact, cannot read. Um, I'm thinking that um, in you know my usual fashion of recommending something else, take a look at this series of um, ABC After School specials and see if there's not an episode for you because some of them just sound just sound absolutely insane. They um, are, and, and I and I'd like I'd like to view some of those. Um, they're very they're very just to cut in real quick they're, yeah. they're very extreme in many cases too and for example just looking at the season 17 the first episode deals with a girl who's raped by the most popular boy in school when he goes on a date then the next episode is about some a family whose eldest daughter is killed and the family's trying to come to grips and survive um there's a, another one where a group of kids have to decide when it's okay to tell on their friend when he starts to do cocaine like kids you know little which kids. never never narc ever <laughs> if you take anything from this do not narc um, and then like, yeah, and I've seen this one, uh, which was from 89, just tipsy honey when a uh, teenage girls in total denial about her mom's drinking problem. Um, like that's what that's what I'm here for. I want to see some bat shit. Yes. Some, and I some... was expecting that. And it is it was, I guess what was most shocking to me was the fact that this was a well-balanced, like at one point, the mom's like, this can't be right, because he's the most well-adjusted of all of our kids. And you're like, he is. He is the most well-adjusted of everyone in this whole show. Uh, but uh, I love funny. that. Doesn't the father? She like says that, and he's like, "Well, he was," and then like does like like a pantomime of like yes. rubbing his hand across yeah. its face as if putting on makeup or something. Like yeah. I, that, yeah. So uh, yeah, again, there's there's really funny bits in this, but it's it's good if hey you know if you want to watch something that that makes you think and is worth discussing with your partner, your friend, your parents, whatever. Um, and to that extent, um, I wish I'd brought this up when we talked with uh, Tad about Cartoon All-Stars, and I wish either him or Mandy had been here, because I'm, I'm curious what their take as, you know, the resident parents, you know, mm. that we know of, of the, the group. Um, I'm curious what they would think about this, you know, their, their kids are young enough that I, I don't think they're really thinking about this yet, but, you know, after school specials run that weird line between in lieu of actually having a conversation with your, <laughs> yeah. your kids yeah. consider having them watch this and i i'd be curious to hear a parent's take on these um effectiveness um things that they like things that they don't um how they feel uh, as of them as either supplementary material so that they don't have to talk to their kids or complimentary. And, you know, I'm going to talk to my kids, but I'm going to play this for them or we're going to watch it together or whatever. 
you know yeah and it's sort of like you're like you're saying i think a lot of people the hope was like the cartoon all-stars you know when, when barbara bush says like after you watch this together with your children and yeah talk which to i am about it i liked that yeah and that's and they used to be you know the the a lot of the 70s you know uh real shorts that that teachers would show often had like now break for a discussion you know like where the class would talk about it and um i think what we're getting at is is we were surprised that this was truly a wholesome special that had some honesty and genuine intent yeah. when often after school specials are famous for truly being exploitative right or the muppet babies taking you on a drug trip right. through your brain right you know or like um the day little timmy learned what a needle was like you know what i mean like uh you know walking along the beach like these this really, is your brain on drugs and it's a yeah, frying egg like and... these insane you know things that like on paper you can sell it like you know yes learning about date rape is important for young people because especially for women because it happens and they need to know that it's not okay and that they need to go to someone but you're often like okay did this short teach me that or was it really a disturbing story that gets our voyeuristic interest in to know about this person who's undergone a terrible tragedy that we absolutely just in on you know um, and and that wasn't what this was and because of that i was surprised <laughs> I, I, I totally off topic, but I heard some great quote from someone where they said, if I should ever be killed, um, like like murdered by a serial killer, um, my greatest fear is that I should end up on on some white person's podcast about serial killers, like and having my story told. <laughs> yeah. I think that hits to the heart of yeah. yeah at a certain you know at a certain point these just become exploitative, and you know fortunately these are not. Um, the day my kid went punk because of the fact that it's genuinely well thought out cartoon all-stars because it's so batshit crazy it, right. it, it can't be that so many people got on board with this it was just a, <laughs> yeah. a, a mess yeah and i will say the last before we go because we've done our recommendations um and i talked a lot about this the one thing i want to mention that is interesting and is sort of a failure of the time being 1987 is that it was great that they cast a black person as the manager of the hotel not the owner but the manager of the hotel but there's a crazy line where um he's like the man there they hired him and the manager she's actually the one that's like can't believe you hired him uh and he's like it is weird that the mom didn't tell us about like what he looked like i wonder why and she's like i know why and nowadays it would be very clearly that uh yeah he has makeup on his face and his hair is weird i wonder like his skin's a different color and he can't have the hair the way he wants it i wonder why there would be a problem because of course those are things that black people have dealt with for generations here you know it was an interesting choice that they had i believe the only person of color yeah, yeah in the film as far as i can remember um being one of the biggest pushback characters right. on how he looks. It was weird because, and I mean, we know that like like Samuel L. Jackson's character in Django, yes, it's an extreme example from a, a sort of satirical take, but you know, the 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 manager of the house, the the house slave being the being the one that's also on the side of the overseer. Like it's weird. Um, and it just raises some unclear messages, uh, which I just, I think that we just, the, the biggest, the biggest solution would have been to have lots of people of color in this. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And it have, wouldn't have mattered. <laughs> yeah. Have lots of different people of different backgrounds and races and creeds. And then when one of them is a good character and one's a bad character, you don't think anything of it because everyone's. Right. And it's like, it's like in the original Ninja Turtles comic book, right? Like Baxter Stockman is a, a extreme villain and he happens to be black. And later on, there are other people of color. But because he's the main person of color in the series and he's a villain and everyone else isn't, even though, of course, we have like, what, four and a half foot turtles who are the main, <laughs> like, it, it's ridiculous to think, but the optics aren't great. And we think about that more now because hopefully, because we're more aware of how it feels for people uh, who are in the minority or have less opportunity to see unfair portrayals. So put everyone in and then you can have a villain of every color just like you can have a hero of every color right um and Which all the I, people in between i i really think that both of these need a remake or we need we need someone to do 
I it, it ended up being a little tongue in cheek, but doing like genuine after school specials again, yeah. that would be fascinating to see in this day and age. Like ABC head up, uh, uh, like hey, we're gonna do five seasons of after school specials dealing with whatever the hell we want to in you know twenty twenty two through twenty twenty seven or something. Um, yeah, you could do some really heavy stuff. Like you know, there's. I'm shocked that we haven't gotten a movie about the young woman who, you know, was raped in college and then went the rest of the term carrying her mattress around that, that it happened on because yeah. the school did nothing. Like, yeah. why have we not like these are these are real things. And I, I was talking to my wife, Corinne, about this because after school specials, they didn't. As I said, they sort of when TV movies in general died they went to the special episode of on running tv shows and then when on running series sitcoms sort of died then all of those died and i think with streaming we have the opportunity to bring those back and in a way they are you know a netflix only feature a hulu only feature an amazon prime only feature but bringing them back in a serious way especially on something like disney plus where you have a large family following right you could really have some incredible stories uh told in ways that are accepting you know like i can imagine a, a a gay teenager or a trans teenager or someone that wants transition sitting down with their parents and being like okay we're gonna watch this and then see you know gauging their reaction to see like you know i think i might be a woman you know what i mean like or i might be a man or i'm gender fluid like i would really like to see these things um again dealing with our next generation's problems and revisiting those, like you said, that really haven't been solved in any way, shape or form or not enough. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Fortunately or unfortunately, you can, you can take some of these after school specials and we can just do them again. Just do them one more time. You know, maybe this time it'll stick a little harder and <laughs> we'll go from there. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, that is going to be it for part two of our after school special special. Thank you so much for joining us as always. Uh, thank you to our guest Greg Johnson, also Tad Mastrioni, bar one. I want to remind everyone to please like and subscribe on YouTube uh, and also write a review wherever you get your podcast. If you get it on Spotify or Apple Music or Pod Addict, any number of places where you get it. If you write a review for us, even on Facebook, it does a lot to help other people find us. In addition, if you send us a screenshot of that review to uh, coltonclassicpodcast.gmail.com with your address, I'll send you some cool swag. And remember, we are open to suggestions, questions, critiques, hate mail for Tad. Send it on over, coltonclassicpodcast.gmail.com or DM us on Instagram at coltonclassicpodcast. I'm Nate Wyckoff signing out, and here is the chud with All About Evil. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to Colton Classic Podcast. This podcast is important to me, but what's more important are the rights, privileges, and freedom from violence of everyone in this country and in this world. And that means supporting Black Lives Matter. If you'd like to make a donation, please go ahead and visit coltonclassicpodcast.com where we have a list of places you can donate and help out. And please stay safe.